0: all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify.
1: Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com.
2: Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin! Birdo! Summer League! How are you doing? Summer League has begun in both California and Utah. We'll get to that at the tail end of the show. We've got a lot to cover, including free agency that has taken place since we last spoke, or a massive bulk of free agency that has taken place since we last spoke. But let's start off with Damian Lillard. That has been the biggest story that has broken since we last spoke. Uh, You wrote about it for TheRinger.com because... There was this idea that maybe Portland would appease Lillard uh, and send him to a preferred destination, that being possibly Brooklyn or Miami. Uh, there have been other teams now that have been mentioned in conjunction with Lillard or that have at least called Portland uh, to talk trades. So he makes the trade request. Um you and I kind of talked about this where there was kind of figured like, hey, that meeting was probably them saying, hey, here's our plan. Here's how we're going to try to build around you. Just so you know what we're doing, this is what we're going to try to do. If it doesn't work, then we can figure it out from there. But, and I think it probably appeased everything. And I think what, you know, we'll probably find out down the road. Like they wanted to take a run at Draymond Green. They wanted to take a run at making a trade, a big trade that could maybe uh, get something done there. And when that stuff didn't materialize the first two days of free agency, then you saw, okay, we're not building a winner Around here, anytime soon. Why are we even going to drag this into the season? And so he kind of made it easy on them by just making the trade request. But anyway, you wrote a huge article about it, covered all different angles. Tell me where you are right now regarding Lillard, and where we think he might end up.
1: Well, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see with what happens with the Miami Heat. Um, you know. Right now, they just signed Jaime Haquez. We saw him in his Summer League debut on Monday. He was awesome. Uh, Nikola Jovic, there was their first-round draft pick last year. He was very good. Um, So, uh, you know, Jaquez cannot be traded for 30 days after he signed his rookie deal. Um, So if the Portland Trailblazers did want Jaquez in a deal, they'd have to wait until after those 30 days until late July. I mean, like that's just the reality of it between Portland and Miami. It's been interesting to read... Uh, like what a lot of plugged-in source uh, reporters have said, their sources have said about this situation here. Um, you know, Sham, Sam Amick, uh, J- Jake Fisher, a bunch of different people, Woj have all kind of echoed the same sentiment, and that's the Blazers plan on looking elsewhere. They are not exactly taking into consideration Dame's preferred single-team list of the Miami Heat. But the fact that he does have that one team on his list, and the fact that he is signed to a four year contract at big time money $200 million that could deter some other teams from outbidding the Heat. And Miami, let's be fair here, it's not like it, it's really not a good offer compared to what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell, to what the Nets got for Kevin Durant or what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert, or what what we saw Paul George go for from OKC, or the Pelicans from Anthony Davis. And yes, you could counter-argue, well, Lillard's not on the same level of those guys. I'd say he is on the same level, uh, at least, of Donovan Mitchell. And that was just one year ago, and Jake Fisher brought up the same point in his piece today detailing this drama that's going on now. The Cavs hopped in last year when the Knicks were the only real team on Mitchell's list, and they made a significant offer that the Jazz end up taking, and he went there, and he was a professional about it, and they get this great young team, and they have a bright future ahead, assuming everything continues on that trajectory. The question now is going to be, of all the teams there's been whispers about, you know, you got Ramona Shelburne saying the Spurs, others have said the Jazz you know, you hear the stuff about the Sixers, the Celtics, the Timberwolves, a bunch of teams have called in, but the Jazz and the Spurs and the Pelicans are the teams with the picks. They're the teams that can give you five, six, seven picks if they really wanted to. And those other teams can't. So I just wonder, will one of those teams over the next couple of weeks decide to say, you know what, we're going to top this Miami Heat offer. It's on the table for you, Portland. Do you want to take it?
2: One of the things that you mentioned was possibly roping in a third team in order to acquire very possible. the assets. But it, it is very possible. But you, you wonder, are you able to get enough assets from a third team that Portland would be happy with? I mean, wouldn't you think they are going to want a collection of like what everybody does when they're rebuilding. You want a bunch of picks and you want salary relief. That's what you want. And let me just say, the Lillard thing is a little bit different, not in terms of level of player, Kevin, but in terms of the contract. Those players that you mentioned, we never looked at the last year of their contract as punitive. And most of the time when we have talked about Lillard's contract, even when we love him, he's one of my favorite players in the league. But at 36 years old paying the guy 60 million dollars is a tough go, you know? <laughs> like I know. Yeah. He is that that is not, you know, Donovan Mitchell is going to be awesome through the life of his contract. Barring injury, he is going to be an all NBA caliber player through the life of that contract. And I think that could be said Of most of the guys that you mentioned, it is a real question when it comes to Lillard. A lot of wear and tear, and he has been so awesome for so long. And the fact that it's not like you get him on some kind of bargain at a lesser version than what you've got right now. You're going to get about, what would you say? I'd say conservatively, three years?
1: Right, I don't know. That's it. Well, I, don't, I mean, maybe I don't maybe know, that's
2: literally three years.
1: You know, I mean, you probably got at least two more of him being amazing. I don't know because remember, not this season, but last season when he was dealing with that abdomen injury, you and I talked about it all year long. He stunk during the Olympics. They said, "Oh, it's an ab injury." Yeah. Then during the season, he it was the worst season of his career. We were talking, "Is this the beginning of the end of Damian Lillard?" But then he got the surgery and yeah. he came back and he had the best individual season of his entire career. You can say his 18-19 season was better, you know, they go to the, they, the year they go to the Western Conference Finals, you can say he had better peaks, but I would argue individually last year was his best. He career high in points per game, career high in scoring efficiency. He was far more active off ball than he was the, the four prior years when he said that he was dealing with that injury for four years. And then sometimes after games, it would balloon up the size of like a golf ball. And I think with Lillard, even though he's 33 right now, and even though, yes, he'll be, paying, be getting paid $63 million when he's 36 years old, it's absurd. But he also just had the best season of his career. And we're seeing some other guys age so gracefully. Stephen Curry at 35, LeBron James into his late 30s. With Dame and a bunch of players around the NBA right now, this isn't James Harden partying, drinking, not working out as hard. Damian Lillard is a consummate professional. And if you're betting on anybody to sustain success into their mid to late 30s, to me, Damian Lillard is a guy that you would be betting on, especially considering the year he just had.
2: Last year, year, I believe it was. uh, It was. It was just last season. He had, I thought, the best game that I saw in person last season um, of any player. I watched him score. He had 42 with 10, uh, 10 assists and eight rebounds and just absolutely, completely dominated a game that I was at in Memphis. And of all the players that came through every game that I went to, he was the best player I saw last year. <laughs> it was crazy. It was during that run. He had like a month where he averaged almost 40 points a game. He was carrying them every night. And it was in the middle of that. And he just went absolutely nuclear. And I was like, my God, <laughs> like there is no stopping this guy. There's no, you have no chance. He was just on a heater for like a whole month. He was the best player in the league, and so yeah, I think you, I think you Chris, make a Chris, reasonable just to put point. Put the
1: numbers behind that, Chris. From this is the game he scored fifty points. It was January twelfth. Over the next twenty five games, including that game he scored fifty, he averaged thirty seven point eight points per game, <laughs> seven point two assists. He shot thirty nine point three percent on eleven point nine threes per game. I mean, I mean, the dude was. Unstoppable it was
2: crazy for a time there. Yeah, I mean they tried everything and everybody
1: on him, and there was no chance. And it didn't matter. No, and, that, and that's why no. for the, the Heat, if they get Damian Lillard, they're right there with the Bucs and the Celtics. Of course, uh, and you know, obviously they just beat those two teams. Um, you know, I would argue that on paper the Bucs with a healthy Giannis, a healthy Middleton, could still be better than the Heat. I could argue that the Celtics, with a healthy Kristaps Porzingis and more progress from Tatum and Brown as they've been on every year of their career so far could be better than the Heat. However, the Heat would be right there with Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. Like Bam Adebayo could level up playing with a guard like Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard himself, dribble handoff actions with Bam Adebayo. That could be unstoppable in the half court, those two together. It could be absolutely unstoppable. Oh, and I love the three.
2: I love the three guys together. It's just a... Right, the guard, the wings, the big,
1: yeah, but oh, but yeah, also yeah. just yep. the way yeah. it
2: fits because you just gotta yes. fill in two spots. That's it, mm-hmm. really.
1: It it does fit. There's a balance to that Heat roster um, that they would have uh, that they would really have that you know Bucks and Celtics uh, don't because they don't have that kind of guard that that Damian Lillard is. So, I mean, like Miami would become right there with those teams. They'd probably be considered in a lot of people's eyes the Finals favorite in the Eastern Conference. But for the Blazers, on the other side of that, the offer right now is just not good, which is why we're talking about them finding a third or fourth team in the deal. Tyler Hero is redundant with Shaden Sharp, with Anthony Simons. He doesn't fit that Blazers roster. So where does he land? Is it San Antonio? The Spurs still have a ton of cap space where they can absorb big money. Is it the Brooklyn Nets? They've been rumored as a team that could fit Tyler Hero into their situation. But if you are taking on Tyler Hero, what exactly is that other team going to be giving up for Hero? Because as good as Hero is at 23 years old, as a sixth man of the year, as a guy that's averaged 20 points per game two years in a row, he's also, besides the bubble his rookie year, been terrible in the postseason. He's a liability on defense, and his progress as a playmaker has been solid, but he doesn't look like a primary guy necessarily. So I just wonder what what is another team going to give up That is going to make that offer acceptable for the Blazers this month, as opposed to dragging this out into August, maybe longer, and then seeing who else might step up over the course of time or if Dame adds more teams to his list. It's going to be fascinating to see. It really is. It's going to be really, really interesting to see the way the Blazers play this because it's their move next.
2: Yeah, I do think Hero has real value, though. I do. I do think he has.
1: He's a good player. He's good. Yeah, he's six he's man, man of the year in the players, NBA. Any anybody that yeah, wins six a good, man of the he's year, he's a good player.
2: Right, but he's, he's a good player. But can he be? He, he's not the best player in the Dame trade. That's where we are. He's no. just not. No, I guess not unless you're adding just a bunch of picks.
1: Which know? they're
2: not, and that would include your guy. You know who you just mentioned, Hawkes, You know, and so that would take thirty days and others. Because, yes, there would have to be other picks involved in that. There just has to. You know, in the end, who was the best player that was involved in the Mitchell deal? Markkanen? We didn't feel about Markkanen. Yeah. Like, I mean, it turned out to be. You do wonder, could, you know, Tyler Hero's still really young, Kev.
1: And know, you know. He's 23.
2: He's still really Good young. Good player.
1: But, so but, I mean, but the thing is, in that in that Mitchell deal, it wasn't just, Marking in and two firsts and a swap. It was marking in and a guy who was just drafted in the lottery and five more future first round draft picks. It I was know, not just marking in two firsts. That's the big difference between these situations.
2: Yeah, so you'd have to wrangle some more picks and stuff.
1: And, and, Lill- and by the way, Lillard is better and more proven than Mitchell as well, despite him being older, despite him having the bigger contract. That's they I mean. He, that's just the reality of it. I did. We agree on this. In or I, I know it's his
2: preferred destination. I know they probably want to do right by him and not send him to somewhere that he doesn't want to be. That being said, Miami has to rope in more than what mm-hmm. they can just themselves offer in order to make that happen. And they might be able to. I mean, it's Pat Riley. They can, they might be able to
1: rope in more. Um, so if it's not, if it's not Miami, then. Of all those other teams that have been mentioned, like we've heard about the Clippers, we've heard about the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Celtics, the Sixers. Any of those stand out to you as the team that has enough to make a good offer to the Blazers and that should make that offer that's good enough for the Blazers?
2: I think Pelicans and Spurs. Of the ones that you just mentioned, when I'm I just thinking about you, assets, two. is that fair? Yeah. when I'm just thinking about assets and what again that they have enough
1: I'm, and they should, mm-hmm. yeah. Would you now, give up if Zion you're, if to you're get
2: Orleans, I mean, you'd be reunited. Well, the
1: next question I had on my, yep. Damon McCollum. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that was the next question on my mind. <laughs> but then you then you got those I, I, I two together know. again. I don't know. It just feels so strange if you reunite those two together and you might just be running into some of the same problems you had before. You'd have a much better supporting cast of Wings than they ever had together in Portland with Trey Murphy, Brennan Ingram, Herb Jones.
2: You know what would be hilarious? What if you flip McCollum in the deal and you gave the Blazers back their (laughs) other beloved son to be the veteran leader (laughs) for that team?
1: (laughs) And I don't think Portland would, but that's another situation where Portland wouldn't want CJ McCollum in the same way they don't want Tyler Hero. So I think a, a three-way would be necessary if it were McCollum going back in that deal as well. Maybe uh, maybe it would be yeah. Zion for some reason. Right. I think if you're trading for Dame, you you're keeping Zion and you're keeping Ingram wow. and you're going with a picks-heavy deal with a, with some other players in that. But I mean, it's interesting to think about the Spurs. The Spurs. The well, Spurs let's just say, let's just say regarding, regarding
2: regarding what you just said, look, if it's a three-way, you know Zion wants to be involved. <laughs> we've, we've recently learned.
1: Let's just end the pod right there. It's over. See you see next week.
2: All right. Now to the Spurs.
1: <laughs> no. Well, the Spurs. Yes, the Spurs. Uh, <laughs> Did I make you lose your the Spurs. focus? Yeah, the Spurs are an interesting one here because they still <laughs> they still have their cap space. They have twenty five plus million dollars in cap space right now. So they're they're right now, I think, positioning themselves to be a third team or the team for Dame. And with San Antonio, I just want to loop this together with something else. The Rockets were in on Brook Lopez. They're the primary team that drove the price up on the Bucks to the point that the Bucs had to give him $24 million in the first year and sign Robin Lopez. That was part of the deal. The Spurs were also in on Brooke Lopez with their cap space. They made him a strong offer as well, to my understanding. So the Spurs clearly were positioning themselves to add a big, you know, defensive player of the year caliber drop defender, right? An all-defensive guy to pair next to Victor Wembenyama in their front court. Wouldn't that also indicate that they're at least trying to accelerate a little bit around Wemby and Devin Vassell and some of their young guys, the great Popovich in his mid-70s. I, I just wonder if maybe that's their intentions here. And so for San Antonio and Utah, those two teams especially, New Orleans too, but a little bit less so, San Antonio and Utah, they have enough picks and assets to make two big moves. Two. So they could go get a Damian Lillard and still have some leftover pieces to get multiple other deals or one other big splash. So I just wonder with San Antonio if if that is their objective here this offseason, if they are indeed interested in Damian Lillard. And I like the Ramona stuff. Ramona has said multiple times on ESPN and on Twitter how Dame is fascinated by the Spurs, how the Popovich relationship and all that. Woj responded to her tweet about it, you know, kind of underlined the point how he doesn't have the no trade clause. I don't know. That's just, it's just interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, if you well, pair they, got, they got some Demian good young Moller with Wemby. Got some good young players too. Pick some players that you could get in return. What a kick in the nuts that would be to Portland fans, right? You miss out on Wemby, not but barely. And that like you think you're gonna get to watch Lillard and Wemby, but then you are getting to watch Lillard and Wemby. It's just a
1: (laughs) different city. Yikes. No kidding. I know. Right. I know. Like San Antonio, San Antonio would be painful. They got some stuff I'd want. A lot. Yeah. I mean, if you could if you threw together, I mean,
2: I'd I'd make them just keep on throwing guys at me. I want Keldon. I want Sohan. I I want all of it. I'll we'll give you Lillard, but I want all of it. I want those young guys that you've been I don't, drafted.
1: I, I mean I know I don't the, this is the thing though, Chris, right? Like you're saying that, but that Miami Heat offer, if the Miami Heat offer is the baseline, you don't need to give up all that stuff you're listing if you're San Antonio. Well, fine, the they just offer. give me give me you two give me give me
2: two of them and a bunch of picks, you know? Mhm. It's Fine. Give me I mean, Sohan they, and Keldon or give me Sohan and Vassell or,
1: or Vassell, whatever. And Yeah, I mean, the Spurs have some future picks from other teams, too. They have the Hawks picks. They got, uh, I believe, a Raptors pick, uh, a Charlotte pick. Some of those are protected, but the Hawks ones are not. Yeah, So they, they have some options to throw in there for future picks as well, beside their own, and they have all of their own. You think they get an unbelievable deal for Lillard when it's all
2: said and done, or do you think they just settle for a deal?
1: I think they I think they should. Does that mean that they will? No, I think they should, considering the price that all these other superstars are going for in recent years. If If they get that heat deal on the surface, it would be a, a horrible return. If I were a Blazers fan, I'd be absolutely furious. I'd be just angry about it if that's what we got back for Damian Lillard but at the end of the day like that might be the best offer and that that comes back to the point that we we're talking about earlier how are the blazers actually going to play this are they going to be incredibly patient and play this out in deep into the summer or are they actually in a rush to get a deal done here and also i do think it's worth considering you know you, you mentioned the stuff about cap relief and picks and all that well they did just give a massive contract to Jeremy Grant they are expecting Shaden Sharp to take a bit of a leap this season after he closed last year incredibly strong. They do think Scoot Henderson is going to be somebody who can come in and contribute right away. So for the the Portland side of things, even though they want cap relief, they want picks, I wonder if they'd also want a player who can come in and help right away and then be competitive. Like what exactly they want is a A little bit unclear here with the people I talk to around the NBA. It could be a player that they want to. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required, restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com.
2: Let's just move on to uh, free agency because what we're going to do is we're going to do three things that stood out to us in free agency. And they could be for any reason. Start off with good, Good or bad. Okay, I'll start off with him. Okay, so I'll start off with him, not. Specifically, just Jeremy Grant. But I think what we saw, Kevin, was when you saw a bunch of those big contracts being handed out, I sensed that there was a theme that these teams, I think people took it as why would they give these guys that don't deserve these contracts, these contracts like Jeremy Grant like Kyle Kuzma, like, you know, some of these, uh, I'm talking about re-signing their guys, right? I think the theme was, whether it was Grant, whether it was Kyrie, whether it was Kuzma, that even though it seems like those teams are not necessarily attempting to be competitive, and I'm talking specifically about Washington and Portland, more obviously more so than Dallas with the Kyrie thing, but I think Kyrie falls into this as well. I think it was just retaining the asset. That's it. It's retaining the asset, not losing it for anything, not losing it for nothing. And then when it comes around and you've got that team that thinks that that player could take them over the hump this upcoming year, then I will take your two crap contracts that are going to fall off of my books And I will take your first round pick and you will then get Jeremy Grant. You will then get possibly Cam Johnson. You will then get Kyle Kuzma. But it wasn't about those. I think a lot of people took it like, what, they're going to have Kyle Kuzma as one of their best players? They're going to have Jeremy Grant for $160 million. Like to me, that was just obviously a retention of asset. That was the going rate and that those guys will be traded for what enables you to put together a rebuild more. Because it might sound silly that someone will give you that, but, you know, and I even heard Nate Duncan mention this, you know, you're telling me that Dallas couldn't possibly look up and then say, we'll give you Tim Hardaway Jr. And we'll give you this other contract and we'll give you a first round pick and you give us Jeremy Grant. Like there's, there's always. The desperate teams, there's always the teams that think that you can get over the hump. There's always the GM that wants to keep his job. And so I don't think any of those teams that signed those loony contracts are going to pay out those loony contracts. I think that was just retention of asset. And I think that became a theme amongst a lot of the ones that when people saw them on the screen, they went, what the hell? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Bingo, Chris. Bingo. Espe- especially with Portland. You know, like like with Portland and Jeremy Grant specifically, maybe they'd want a player in return. But clearly they don't want Carl Anthony Towns. They don't want Tyler Hero. They'd probably want a player who's on their rookie deal, if anything, in return, right? Yep. So with Jer- in regards to Jeremy Grant, he's 29 years old right now. The contract is over five years. And per year is 27, 29, 32, 34. 36 million dollars per season that's not that bad for a guy who's a great versatile defender who's a great spot up shooter who can do a little bit off the dribble for you can be using different schemes we've seen him excel now in denver as a guy next to Jokic. we saw him as a go-to guy in detroit we've seen him in portland he's excelled in different schemes with different roles so for you mentioned dallas as an example whoever it might be come deadline time this coming season or next summer, or the next deadline, and year one or two of that contract, Yep, absolutely, a ton of teams would want Jeremy Grant, a whole bunch of them would. And I
2: will, and and just give me your two expirings and a first.
1: Bingo. And then Portland is (laughs) is suddenly, they got clean books moving forward, and they're a young team, and they're tanking, and they're rebuilding that way, rather than being in this kind of stuck-in-the-middle position right now. Yeah, it's an asset. I'm with it's you all asset. of those deals. That that applies that applies to Washington like you said, all of all of those deals. It, 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 I exactly. even think the
2: all Kyrie them. one. I know it's it's crazy. It's 42 million a year. No. But again, yeah, you're it's right. just hey, what else are, like honestly, it's retention of asset. This is where I didn't think that one through enough because the answer was you'll get the most money from them because they have to keep him. They don't have a choice. Is it the perfect pairing with Luca? That's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you've got to retain that asset. We just gave up stuff to get that asset. We just gave up Finney Smith, who might have gotten us something in return. We just gave up some of these other assets. Like, what else are we going to move to improve anything here? We don't have anybody. There's nothing to trade if we don't keep him. What are we gonna do? Trade Dwight Powell to get a better team around Luca? Like we don't have enough, there's we don't have enough horses. We don't have enough things to move. So to me, the Kyrie Irving thing isn't about like, hey, this is the perfect pairing and we're gonna have Luca and Kyrie going into the next couple of years because we really believe in that. That was much like those tanking teams or teams that aren't ready to compete right now whether they full on tank or not um, they just had to have the asset. They couldn't just let it go for nothing because in the end even if it's a crap contract it's still an asset. It's still something you might be able to get something for and if you get nothing for it and he just walks away then again it's it's really your only means to improve around Luca. I know it's like you you were they were in a terrible spot, really. When when it's either lose him for nothing and have no assets to move, or pay him a contract that is ridiculous, they chose B. But neither choice was. <laughs> you're dead. Once you attain it, you're dead. Like you, it, it's all bad choices. It's you're you're choosing between puke and diarrhea, and I guess they took diarrhea. <laughs> so, all right, what's the first thing that stood out to you from uh, free agency?
1: Um, I, I'll go with uh, Austin Reeves at $56.3 million over four years. Yeah. All the talk about him getting over $100 million. <laughs> the Lakers effectively use the power teams have with restricted free agency. And they said, they told everybody who could, who was listening, which is everybody, we're going to match, we're going to match. And they scared off every team that had cap money from extending an offer sheet at max value, knowing that the Lakers were going to match it anyway. And that situation really just does speak to the advantage teams have with restricted free agents. And with Austin Reeves, I mean, good for him. He goes from undrafted to making. 50-plus million dollars over the next four years. But, man, if he were unrestricted instead, that guy definitely would have gotten 100-plus million dollars like we saw with a bunch of guys. And for the Lakers, it was part of what was a pretty successful offseason so far, adding to the bench that they did or kind of a refurbishing the bench in the way that they did. And getting Reeves to that price is the, is the biggest win of them all.
2: Great value. Great value. For yeah. sure. Not great value. I mean, you knew I was going to say this. And let me just say, you who have been with me all these years know I get to come by this honest because though he was on the team that I root for, never did I in a million years believe that someone would give Dylan Brooks four years, $80 million. (laughs) This is absolute, insanity. Now, when I tell you I get to come by this honest, anybody that listens to my daily show knows I was on this the entire year. There is Rockets fans earmuffs. I don't care if you wear earmuffs. You hate me anyway. Dylan Brooks took 991 shots last year in the NBA. He shot 39.6% from the field. There's only one player in the entire NBA that took more shots and hit less than Dylan Brooks. That player, Fred Van Vliet. Yikes. Oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. Barely edged him out at 39.3. So, Fred Van Vliet, and that's in 1,112 attempts. So, he took more shots, second, the second most shots, in the NBA with the lowest field goal percentage. He took 439 three-pointers last year, Kevin. There is no player in the NBA that shot worse than 32.6% on that volume of threes. <laughs> there is one player... That took more shots than him and hit less of them. There are no players in the league of 500 guys that play. No one took more threes and hit less. And he wants an expanded role and to shoot more. And just for your point of reference, everyone. Hold on to your seats. Dylan Brooks took more shots last season while hitting less than anyone. He took more shots than DeMontis Sabonis. He took more shots than Jimmy Butler. He took more shots than James Harden last year, all while shooting under 40% from the field. $80 million. I'm telling you, literally, no one shot worse. No one on that volume. It's unthinkable. P.S. Fred Vliet actually took 606 threes and shot 34% on those. He was neck and neck with Dylan. I mean, they might have gotten the two worst shooting performances from high-volume shooters The the only guy they missed was Terry Rozier, who shot 42% from the field on almost 1,200 attempts and shot 33% from three, barely edging out Dylan on 500 attempts. They paid the worst volume shooter in the entire NBA, four years, $80 million, because... Of defense, I I guess. I guess. He is he tries hard on defense and he snorts and growls. And he's tough. He's a physical player. There's a lot that I like that he can bring to the table, but that is a guy that has always wanted to do more and shoot more. And he has made that clear that he wants to shoot more. And be more of an offensive weapon. And good luck. Good luck. As they say in the South, bless your heart. Because Jesus. That is... (laughs) I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I just rooted for him his whole career. Right? Every night. I watched every game the guy played. That is asinine. Asinine. <laughs> Unthinkable, frankly. <laughs> and I just gave you the stats. They're disgusting. And I bitched about them all year. All year I bitched about it. All year. And then we and then, like, what's the goal? The goal is to get to the playoffs. The Lakers treated him like he had SARS. They were like 50 feet away from him. Half the Lakers, when we were uh, when the Grizzlies were on offense, like we sitting in the third row, like go ahead, bro, do your thing. Like <laughs> the whole world was latching uh, was was hinging on Luke Kennard's availability, just so someone could get thrown the ball that they <laughs> that they would have to guard. I I can't believe it. But hey, good luck. I'm sorry about the Van Vliet numbers. I did not realize. My intention was to just give the Brooks numbers. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, did anybody shoot worse on that many shots? Like, that was a sad thing to find. I mean, they literally just spent what? What was the Van Vliet number? Was it 80 million something? Was it
1: three years, $128 million? It's 40. Million, 43 million, and 45 million. So it's $200
2: million on the two (laughs) worst shooting performances in the league on high volume. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, look, at least I don't know. And then the Jalen Green weekend tough, tough go.
1: (laughs) Just a tough, tough spot for Rockets fans. T- tough, tough one for Josh Christopher too, getting traded the next day. Tough. That's yeah. tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was a tough, tough couple of days for Rockets. So was for sure. The, the Van Vleet. I mean, I have, I have nothing to add on Dylan Brooks. Uh, I just wanted to sit back and enjoy. Um, <laughs> you just unload, but I mean, I was Van Vleet. Just Vliet, giving the stats. I, I, uh, yeah, you're just stating the facts. That's right. Numbers don't lie. Fact. But with Fred Van Vliet, I just, I just have this thought. I'm just curious about your, your what your feedback is on this, Chris. Van Vliet, you're right. Super, super inefficient last season with Toronto. The year before that, a, a bit better. It is his all-star year, even though he fell off in the second half of the year. The year prior to that, super inefficient as well. However, is it possible with the Rockets, the way they play, the fact they have Amen Thompson, a rookie, and Shengoon dribble handoffs and different sources of offense, different guys who could create that we'll see more of the Van Vliet that we saw when he was a younger player and he was a super efficient spot-up shooter even over the last five seasons when he's had a heavier role, he's at 41% on catch-and-shoot threes. Is it possible that we see a, a more efficient brand of basketball from Fred Van Vliet, considering the options and the type of offense the Rockets can run with different guys, whereas Toronto, Van Vliet was kind of playing, you know, above above the level that he probably should be as an on-ball creator. And I know yeah. that brings into the contract situation, but he is a good defensive player. He is a good leader type of guy. I, there's a lot of positive qualities.
2: I'm a Van Fleet fan. Okay, I am.
1: I'm a Van Fleet fan.
2: I I am too. I don't think he's ever had a. You'd have to look a season where he's like shot fifty percent, over fifty percent from two. He has. He has not. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy.
1: I mean, he's a small guard,
2: six But he just doesn't finish. You know what I mean? Like, so he's got to be able to shoot. He's got to be able to shoot if he Mm -hmm. doesn't finish. Right? You got to pick one, bro. Yeah, be able to do one or the other. And so I'm a fan of his, and I've always loved the story. Uh, but numbers are the numbers. I didn't want to find them. I just came about him trying to find out. the <laughs> Just look up the Dylan Brooks ones. <laughs> and, and I got slapped in the face with that. That was tough. I'm a Fred fan, but
1: damn, man, those numbers are rough. The uh, rough. Van Vliet numbers. Um, You know, I mentioned how over the last five seasons, he shot 41% on catch and shoot threes over the last five seasons. There have been 74 players to attempt over 900 shots in the restricted area. And the reason why I use 900 is because Van Vliet has 947 out of those 74 players, Van Vliet is 74th in restricted area field goal percentage at 51.9 percent second to worst is dennis Schroeder at 57.8 percent so the difference between last and second to last is 51.9 to 58.8 that's Mm a huge huge difference (laughs) And, and like that just goes to show your point about how he can't finish at the basket he's a Mid-range guy, a floater guy, you know, a, a three-point shooter. He's not an at-rim finisher, and that, I, that's look, why I think you you're paying him.
2: He, you're paying him for culture, leadership, and getting things in order. That's what you're defense, him for. yeah, absolutely, yes. absolutely, all that stuff. That's culture. what you're paying him for.
1: Setting the tone. That's what they're paying Dylan Brooks for too, though. Right? If you're what? Dylan Brooks. He 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 can't be shooting ten times per game. Dylan Brooks needs to be in the Draymond role where he's taking four, five, (laughs) six shots per game, and that's I know, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna (laughs) happen. But that's what he needs to do. That's what. Dude, he was just on an awesome team with three, (laughs) clearly four, clearly better options. And yet he still thinks he needs to shoot more. All I'm saying is that he needs to have this like come to Jesus moment where he realizes, oh, the best oh, that'll happen myself. after he
2: got eighty million dollars. That's exactly <laughs> the time where the come to Jesus moment
1: happens. That's when he'll be humbled. It's- I know it's. There's just so many guys in that Rockets team. I hope. I hope he doesn't cause the same issues for them and their development like he did for years in Memphis, taking so many shots. Oh man. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San
0: Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, All inclusive or relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app.
2: All right. Who's your next one?
1: I'll do uh, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown contract is very interesting. Two years, 45 million. And it's interesting for a couple of different reasons. A, You know, Congrats to him. He earned it. He had a great year with the Nuggets after two really good years with the Nets. He is a great fit with Tyrese Halliburton. It's very cool to see this. But I'm more interested in it in the sense that this is a two-year, $45 million deal. But that second year is a team option. He basically signed a one-year deal, almost double what the mid-level exception was, a bit more than what some other teams with the cap space would have had. But now the Pacers have a lot of flexibility moving forward with this young core. They could keep Bruce Brown at $23 million in that second year of his contract. But the fact that it's a team option, that just positions them to kind of play around here and see what they want to do into the future. If Bruce Brown doesn't live up to that deal now in Indiana, they could just say, okay, all right, go into free agency. Or they could trade him. It's essentially like a traded player exception for them at a big at a at an expiring deal next year. So for Indiana, at first I was like, "Whoa, that's a lot for Bruce Brown," but seeing the the terms of the contract with a team option in that second year, I actually love it for both sides. It's a mutually beneficial deal.
2: Well, if there's anybody that is willing to bet on themselves, you'd figure it'd be Bruce Brown, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Bruce Brown, go
2: baby, yeah, prove his worth. Um, When that first, when that number first came out, though, I must tell you, I went, "Oh my god!" Like you and I both like Bruce Brown, but Jesus, man! Like I love Bruce Brown.
1: How many, how many times have we said his first and last name on the show ever since he was on Brooklyn?
2: But it's always, and and this leads into my third one. He falls into this unbelievable category of cashing in on what on. the heat wave, the fact that you played on an awesome team, a winning team in the playoffs, and so your value, based upon what we just saw in the playoffs, went up, we'll never know how many fold, than if your team would have gotten bounced at the beginning or earlier, right? Like, if that's, say, DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo got what? 10 million, 12 million? He got like $12 million, something like that. I think twelve five. dollars He got $12.5 million. $50 million for four years, right? Like, if Dante DiVincenzo was on the NBA champion and had some big moments in the championship, then that's his contract, right? Um, but instead he gets $12.5 million. It's still the kind of level of player that you are. But my third one is. Exactly that, which is the cash ins. And holy hell, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Gabe Vincent got 33 million. Max Struess got 63 million. They got a combined $96 million. What is that number if the Bulls play a
1: better three minutes? (laughs) Sliding door moment for those guys, huh, Chris?
2: I mean, I don't think that it's within 50 million of that. I don't think it's within 60 million of that. Like, go look at their numbers. This is like they were just on a team that made it to the NBA Finals. And they were fantastic for that team. But they're not the reason they were at the in the NBA Finals. They're they're role players. That's what those guys are. Amazing role players for that team. But that team was not very good this year. And that team was three minutes away from not playing in the playoffs. And then they knocked off Milwaukee and they knocked off Boston. And there we have it. They're there. And so. But do we view those players in that radically different than what we did before? because they made that run? The answer was the league did, or at least a couple teams did. But man, oh man, I uh I couldn't believe those deals. I couldn't believe them. The De- defense had won. More so, or less so than the than the the Strewson. Sure, I mean the Vincent the Vincent one was just it's just weird that they spent seventy. I know the Lakers had you know the bargain in Austin Reeves, but I love Austin Reeves on the ball for that team. That's where he was devastating. Was running that pick and roll thing, and they spent seventy million dollars on D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent.
1: I didn't. I don't know the de- the deals that uh, I want to talk about here kind of the, the flip side. Yeah. You're talking about the guys that were had the playoff success. I want to talk about two guys that are joining a playoff team on cheap league minimum contracts and with like no no long-term implications where they they would hope to be that next guy to get that big deal. You get Kata Bates-Diop, who signed a two-year league minimum contract with the Suns coming from the San Antonio Spurs, and then Utah Wantonavi, who signed the one-year league minimum contract with the Phoenix Suns. They're adding these guys, banking on them being incredible shooters for their teams, and I just want to say this on that note. Keita beat bates up last year with the Spurs. He proved himself again. Good defender. Smart player on offense, just like he's been on since college. Last season was his first year ever shooting well from three. 41% on catch-and-shoot threes on the year for the Spurs. Up from 31% over his first four seasons. Utah Watanabe last season for the Nets, he was one of the best shooters in all of basketball. He led the league in three-point percentage at certain points throughout the year, ended at 44.4% for the Nets. Here's my concern with him. First half of the season before the All-Star break, 48.1%. Second half of the year, 29.6%. He goes from a guy who's not able to hit shots, not able to even, you know, get min- minutes. Prior to last season, he shot 35.2% with the Grizzlies and the Raptors in the NBA. He shot 35% from three in the G League. He shot 33.7% in college. So for the Suns, they're betting on, they had a good free agent class, but Wantanabe and Bates Diop, with those two guys specifically, they better hope those guys are more like the knockdown shooters that they had last season and not the guys who were Average or below average over the duration of their entire basketball life. So we're going to find out with those guys, with all the open catch-and-shoot opportunities that they're going to get from Beal and Booker and Durant. All game long, those guys are going to get open opportunities. They better prove that they are more like the guys we saw last season and not the ones prior. Okay, so two things I would say.
2: Number one, I love you to... Um, obviously I covered him as a rookie and also when he was in the G League. Um, And I'll always root for him. Uh, He became an amazing corner three guy. And when you said, hey, here were his stats before and after, I bet you dime to a donut that that lines up with Durant and his availability as well. Or at least having some of those Drive and kick type guys, guys that commanded attention. He is dependent upon you commanding attention. He is that guy that the guy, his man pinches in from the corner. He gets the kick out. He knocks down the corner three. That's what he's great at doing. You don't want to do anything else, but he'll stand out there for the spacing. He could stand out there in the corner. And he can knock that down. And I'll bet you that when he was playing with some playmakers in Brooklyn, that that was the case. I mean, he is a reliant player, as are, as are many role players. He is reliant on the playing off of guys that can go. You think about the second half of that Brooklyn season, it stunk. You had the Bridges break out. But really, I mean, they had, they had torn the whole team apart. There was no Kyrie, there was no KD, there was no you know the whole thing had been you know we saw what they were at the end of the season and that wasn't a very good team. The Bridges thing was the bright spot, but y- yuta has to have he's got to be playing with stars, and there ain't a problem playing with stars there. At <laughs> all I actually <laughs> that's think he'd be sure. good.
1: I it, I think he can I think he can make that, that's open why... corner threes. I do. That's why it's such a it's an ideal situation. Yeah, I'm just laying out the numbers to say that it, it, it's an opportunity for them to prove themselves and yeah. earn big money deals, and and then next time that they're up for contracts, or they're gonna fall back and be you know disappointing and be more like especially with Bates Diop and not be the knocked knockdown guy that he was last season. I have greater belief in Watanabe as a shooter than Bates Diop. I got to be both honest with those kid. guys. It's just it's interesting. I gotta be honest. I thought they did a better job than I thought they'd be able to. The
0: Way Suns better.
1: The Suns,
2: filling
0: the out Suns, that
1: roster. They Drew, feel Drew deep Eubanks all doesn't. A Drew Eubanks doesn't suck, and like they, and like those guys so don't Drew, suck. Eubanks, Eubanks is one of the best at room finishing centers in the entire what I'm NBA. Saying. I remember last season. I wrote something on the on on the Ringer about how with Eubanks being a finisher and picking and rolls with Damian Lillard, like like it was amazing. I think he shot like they like got eighty some on, and yeah, like they do. They mm. the Suns did a great job shoring up that bench. It went from oh, this team has no depth to oh, they actually have a lot of depth. Like all, overnight, that's what happened with the Suns. Where with Wantanabe and with Bates Deop, even if those guys don't necessarily meet expectations, they have a lot of other options on their team at this point. A lot. Well, the other thing is those guys are taking four shots.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> like you just got to be good in the, your limited role. Yep, that's it. But th- those are a bunch of role players, and you know, in my in my idea of trying to get as many guys that don't suck as you can. Like, I looked up and down what they ended up with, and I'm like, you know, playable. You know, it, it better than what I thought they'd end up with. Phoenix, honestly. Um, all right, the only thing we got left is uh, well, two things. We got. The restricteds that are left, the ones that stood out, Grant Williams. Your boy, Desunmu, hasn't uh, got a deal yet. P.J. Washington.
0: Yeah, another
2: Reed.
1: one. Yeah, There's <laughs> some of those. I, I outlined both of those guys on Beyond the Arc last week with some video breakdowns. Yeah. Ioto Desunmu and P.J. Washington, neither of them have been signed. Shake Milton was, though. He was the third guy um, that I did detail. He went to the Wolves. I like that. The Grant
2: one that. is interesting, too, to me.
1: Because I didn't figure Mm -hmm. he'd
2: still be out there right now, but you'd imagine there's some kind of deal somewhere on the horizon.
1: San Antonio, maybe? Maybe. Because San Antonio has that cap space. If they don't use it in a Dame type of situation, three-way, maybe Mm -hmm. who do they use that cap space for? Could they be a P.J. Washington team? P.J. Washington would be a great fit next to Sohan and Wemby, Mm. City Sissoko, who is awesome defensively today as well. And uh, in, in his game against the Hornets and Brandon Miller. Um, I don't know. I just wonder where, how are the Spurs going to hey, use that space? That...
2: I know you've got it. usually
1: got a computer right in front of you. Was that
2: his massive game? Who was that massive game at the end of the year when everybody stopped caring? P.J. Washington went nuclear.
1: Was that San Antonio? Yeah, P.J. Washington. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. it was against the Warriors. Warriors and Warriors at the start of the year and then the Thunder at the end of the year.
2: Oh, it was the Thunder.
1: Yeah, yeah he had he that had one game, game against where it
2: was like the Thunder. 40 something points. And I was like, what in he the had heck?
1: 43. 43 <laughs> points. And, and yeah, PJ, PJ Washington, the, the stat <laughs> that I had on Beyond the Arc last week was um, PJ Washington is one of four players this past season to log over. 900 possessions as a screener in the pick-and-roll and and over 100 as the ball handler in the pick-and-roll. The other guys were Larry Markkinen, Nikola Jokic, and Julius Randle. And with P.J. Washington, he was very good in those play types. I think P.J. Washington deserves a big contract. Unless San Antonio gives it to him, I don't think anybody is. Uh, But I I really, really am high on P.J. Washington and think he could help a contender. Um, or maybe that that could be Charlotte someday, but I, I love PJ Washington's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, speaking of guys you love, the
2: unrestricted, I tried to put together a whole roster of O'Connor loves, and I just couldn't, but I do have, you, you could fill in the blanks, but I've got Frankie at point guard with uh, Bamba and Christian Wood at power forward and center. We just need yeah, a couple for, of wings. F- we're ready to go know. those ca- I, I those was the-
1: hoping uh I was hoping bomba landed with the bucks, but I think <laughs> Lopez screwed him signing his brother- <laughs> is somebody gonna sign christian wood? I don't know, I don't know what's going on there,
2: just unrestricted,
1: just mm-hmm. out there, so strange. There's still, uh, that's the interesting thing with the, the there's not a lot of cap space left out there. I know. Who, who, where are these guys going to go? Money's, money's drying up.
2: Really crazy. Going to get some good bargains there at the end, right? I mean, what yeah. happens is these guys take like one year, nothing deals and try to play for a good team. It, we just saw it tonight with uh, what Lonnie Walker, Malik Beasley. Didn't these guys like take like one year deals? places and just said, all right, we'll take the one low year and just try to make the most of it. Um, we'll just try to make the most of it and hopefully play for a good team and boost our value. That's kind of situation some of these guys might be in. Um, at the very beginning of the pod, we just mentioned that uh, Summer League has begun. Have watched a little bit. Of it, um, I watched Philly, Memphis earlier. I watched OKC, Utah. Had that on to the. How was GG Jackson?
1: How was GG? I didn't watch any of your game. How was GG?
2: Super impressive spurts, spurts. You know what I mean? He is bigger than I thought. Um, it's huge, and uh, you know, summer league. It's hard to, it's hard to gauge, but. He's certainly an athlete, and he certainly got some skill to him. He's still a baby; he's 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. he's intriguing. He's a look. It's all going to be about the attitude you take into being a, you know, two-way guy playing games when you're playing in the G League, right? And it goes one of two ways for guys: they either dedicate themselves and decide this is, this is, what I need to be doing, and I have to prove myself or they resent the situation, and then they're never in the league. Honestly. So that'll be his plight. I'll tell you this. You know who wins the award for most ridiculous summer league appearances is Oklahoma City. Love their team. Oh, Jalen
1: Williams. Chet Holmgren.
2: (laughs) I mean, last year they played Giddy in this thing, and this year... I've turned it on and Jalen Williams is playing. And I'm like, are you serious? By the way, both Jalen Williamses were playing. I was like, what in the heck is going on?
1: <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> what? Like,
1: this is so
2: unfair. Like the, the, the Santa Clara, Jay- if you want to play the Arkansas Jalen Williams, by all means, that's fine. But the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, that's absurd. And they did it with Giddy last year, and to their, to their, you know, favor, those guys that looked like the best player on the court when they set out there. The Giddy thing was wildly unfair last year. Um, Chet looked rusty and out of breath, which is to be expected.
1: Had to start, some moments, and then, and then, but man, start, the man that beginning he, and, yes. was rough. <laughs> yeah, but then then he was awesome. He had like yep. an amazing two three minute sequence where it was oh, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all right, time t- time to rest. Like you don't need to play anymore. No.
2: Yes. Go catch your breath, kid. Yes. Um. So yeah, got to see some of it. Uh. Sounds like our guy from Denver's gonna make us look good. Pickett. Good reviews yeah, on uh, him early.
1: Yeah, good. Good reports uh, out of the the practice that they had. And granted, we're talking practice. You know. I don't know. With, with 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 Pickett, I do. I I really look forward to seeing the Nuggets play. Uh, I I'm excited to see those young Nuggets players out on the court together because I tend to be on the side of things that they have better replacements for Bruce Brown than a lot of people realize and it's not just one guy it's not just Christian Brown it's Peyton Watson it's Pickett it's their other rookies that they drafted Strother Tyson they have a lot of options to fill those minutes left by Bruce Brown Hey, let me mention one guy to
2: you that just kind of stood out just because I thought it was interesting. Again, I know everybody always says, oh, it's just summer league. But, like, it's fun to watch all these guys, especially first time in NBA uniforms. Um, I was watching the Sixers, and uh, the kid from NC State that didn't get drafted, uh is it Smith or whatever? He's got something to him. Like, I was like, hmm. This is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's his he's name. Smith,
1: I mean, Smith is just like he's 170 pounds or something like that. So that's that's the fear with him. Not bad though. Small. Not bad. Yeah, he's got a lot of skill as a scorer. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he definitely does. Yeah, I, th- I was um, like, wow, this guy wasn't drafted. Yeah. He sure is
2: playing a lot better than some of the drafted guys.
1: Yeah, he's you know a bucket getter for sure. Yeah. Yeah, gonna can- be gonna be interesting week ahead. I mean, you and I will see each other yeah. in Las Vegas. My sources with the ringers say that we're recording an in person podcast on Saturday. I they don't, don't know, know if that means we won't if we won't have a Thursday Thursday night recording into Friday. We'll find that out over the course of the week, but my sources say we're gonna do an in person pod on Saturday, you and I. We are? Okay. So that's that's what I'm told. All right. In
2: person pod on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, either way, look. Well, I've got that from Summer League. I can't wait.
1: I'm a little disappointed the Ringer doesn't have a live show at Summer League. I think. I, I think. I, I want to do more live mismatches. You know, you do? those are fun. Well, yeah, then you let's just you?
2: let's just go on the street and start talking to each other and see if a crowd <laughs> forms. <laughs> We'll be out in front. We'll be out in front of Caesar's. Come,
1: yeah. We're just gonna sit there and talk. Who?
2: Just come hang out.
1: Just open like an empty guitar case and put it in front of us. Put it in front of us. (laughs) We're just talking basketball.
2: (laughs) Ask us a basketball question, so I can go straight inside and throw it in a slot machine and lose it. All right. Well, yeah, Jesse's going to be out there too, yeah. right? So we'll have yeah, the whole Jesse. crew out there. It'll be good. Um, yeah, it'll be all super right. fun. Well, we, uh, so we won't have our regular pod. We will both be traveling to Summer League, but uh, just keep a lookout on the feed. We will have Summer League content coming for you by the weekend. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I will see you in person and see Victor Wimbayama in person on Friday.
1: See you in Vegas.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a
0: ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.